I got to tell you, I love this church. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm not sure you know me, but uh, anyway, I, I, I got a couple of things before the sermon. First, I want to quell uh, a rumor that uh, may have gotten started last night. Uh, Scott Grigsby, who's a graduate of Texas A&M, okay, emailed me last night to say that Texas A&M beating Alabama was a sign that Jesus was coming again. And I just want to tell you right up front, that is not the case. Jesus may come this afternoon. I believe that Jesus is coming. He may come this afternoon, but it's not because Texas A&M beat Alabama. Although that was pretty exciting, I got to tell you. And uh, I, would, I would love to say that it was a divine design, but I think A&M was just better. So, and sorry to any Alabama uh, But uh, those of us from Texas loved it. Second is that uh, with this sermon series, we're doing core groups around We Believe. This this book is the uh, guide for our core groups. I just want to recommend it to you. Uh, A lot of work was put into this. Um, and, And I want to be clear about what we're doing. I'm not preaching on the Apostles' Creed. I'm I'm using the Apostles' Creed as a guide to search the Scriptures for the scriptural basis for what we believe. And the Apostles' Creed is the oldest creed that we are aware of. There are others, but basically they all affirm the same belief in God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, the church, the work of the church through the Holy Spirit. And that's what this series is about, is what, what do we believe, particularly scripturally? And John Wesley was uh, uh, one who looked to the scriptures when he was trying to, trying to, to uh, discern what we believe as brothers and sisters in Christ. He said, I am a man of one book, meaning the Bible. And so we are a people of one book. And when I get up to preach... I want to be clear that I'm not preaching out of the newspapers. I'm not preaching on some kind of creed or history. But we are looking to the scriptures as as our guide. And that's what these core groups are really about. Um, Some of the scriptures that I'll be looking at this morning, they're all in here with a little more uh, explanation and discussion for you, plus some others. And I, I, I think this could potentially be uh, the best round of core groups that we've ever had. For example, the, um, the, the questions for this week in as God as Creator is, what thought comes to mind when you consider the foundational truth that God created everything, heaven and earth? And the second question, how might God reveal himself to you in new ways as your Creator? Um, so I'd, please uh, consider... And, and be a part. We've also got online groups. If you want to, to be a part of that. If your schedule is such that it makes it difficult to go to a location. We've got online groups. You can sign up on the way out. Um, you can let me know. You can let Cindy Palmer know. And we'll make sure to find a place for you. As we, um, uh, as we move through the scriptural basis for the Apostles' Creed. Um, 
as we move into this, we made the decision several weeks ago that what would it be like not only for me to preach on what we believe, to take a look at the scriptures, but to hear from you. And so we did some interviews uh, of our congregation to share with you on Sunday morning from your voice of what we believe as brothers and sisters in Christ. Today we hear from um, Devin Cartwright, one of our teenagers, and I hope that you are impressed by what Devin shares about his faith as I was sitting in the interview process and listening to this young man talk about what he believed. I used to focus a lot about like, what people like, thought about me and like, all the wrong things. I had been in church my whole life. Like, I was born and I was baptized with my grandpa, who's a pastor, and I just been in church all the time. I went through confirmation, and you know, they splashed the holy water on me and the other guys. They gave us some extra, actually. I thought that that was what it took. Two days a week, maybe four hours total, minus the time I was sleeping. I don't sleep in church, by the way. Definitely not. And, uh, and I just felt like I had put God on a schedule. And it was like Sundays and Wednesdays was the only time I really focused on Him. Over the summer, I thought, so I was thinking to myself about why I never felt close to God. And I realized that I never put up any real thought to get closer to God or to focus on God. I never put up a real fight against temptation. And so I said to myself that I was gonna change and that I was gonna put up a fight against temptation and try to build uh, better habits to try to focus on God and pray often and find things that remind me of God. And so I just focus on praying a lot more and just finding God in little everyday things because Deuteronomy 4.29 says, from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. And so that's what I did. I just searched for God and I found him in everyday things. And I pray when I'm like running and I'm hurting really bad and while I'm driving, because I definitely need God to keep me safe when I'm driving. And I just felt that I was a lot closer to God than I've ever been. And I was more comfortable talking to people about it. And I read my Bible every day. And so I just, I was feeling good. And I realized though that the temptation doesn't go away. Your focus changes. And so the whole time, all the temptation and sin was all here, but God was always here. You just have to turn your focus and look. And every time you look, you're gonna find God. God's not hiding from you. And that's what I learned was just, whatever you put your focus to, that's where your focus is and that's how you're gonna be. So I just try to put my focus to the right things. And yeah, that's my story. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Once upon a time, and by the way, any story that begins with once upon a time is not a historical story. Once upon a time, Satan challenged God to a creative duel. Um, Satan had never won any of his challenges. The scriptures affirm that. Satan had never won. But this one, he thought he had a chance. So he challenged God to who could make the best human being. Really, Satan? 
Yeah, but he thought, uh, yes, he could. But God refused. God said, no, I've done that. I continue to do that. I've got practice at it. No. But Satan persisted. And so finally God gave in, and the challenge began. God got to go first, and so, as we all know from the Scriptures, God took the dirt and put some spittle in it, made it a, a, a clay, molded a, a human being, and breathed into this human being the breath of life. And it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But Satan still thought that he could do better. I mean, Satan thought to himself, who knows more about humanity than I do? I have spent my eternity uh, experimenting with the kinds of temptations that draw human beings away from God. And I have spent my entire existence Tearing humanity apart. Who would know more how to make a human than one who has torn a human apart? And so Satan reached down and scooped up some dirt. And he scooped up much more than God. He thought that quantity was the answer to creating a better human being. And and as he scooped it up, God reached over and grabbed his hand. And Satan looked at him kind of confused and God said... Get your own dirt. <laughs> now, I know that's silly, and I know you're, you're only laughing because you are uh, polite and because I said I love you. Um, but the point is this. The point is this. There's only one creator. There's only one creator. And the belief in God is at the foundation of of what we believe as believers in the salvation and lordship of Jesus Christ. In fact, all that we believe begins with the words, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. The God of the Bible is the creator who intervenes as Lord of creation to redeem not only our humanity, but all of creation, everything. As we look forward to that which is new, that which is alive, and that which is perfect. And that is the focus of what we'll be talking about today. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. May these words be your words. Not because of any wisdom our knowledge that I have, O God, but because of your inspiration. And as I speak them, O God, would you provide inspiration to our ears, not so much to hear my words, but your holy word. Speak to us, O God, this day. Hide me behind the cross. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The very first verse in the Bible, the first words that we hear when we open this holy book is God created. Before there was anything, God existed. God called the expanse of the universe into being. The eternity of God is celebrated from the very beginning of the scriptures. 
to the very end. As John talks in Revelation about the new Jerusalem that is coming to us, the new creation. In the beginning, God created. And it's important, particularly for that, well, no, not just particularly for that day, but for that day and for our day, it is important to emphasize that it was God who created that it was not some unknown God, that it was not some group of pagan gods that conspired together to create, that it was not um, some kind of conspiracy of capricious gods that were looking around and bored, and so they created. That it was not by accident that this world came into being. But it, it was, it is the personal God Our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, the God who spoke through the prophets to bring forth truth, the God who was incarnate in Jesus to live among us, the God who died for us, was raised from the dead to defeat death itself. And the God who continues to live through us, through the Holy Spirit within us, that is the God who created. And what did God create? That Bible answers that. That God created the heavens and the earth. That is, God created all things. You see, in Hebrew, there's no word for universe. Not not a word for universe. If there were, then it would say God created the universe, all that is. But by saying the heavens and the earth... What the writer of Genesis is saying is that God created everything. The expanse of the stars and the universe are the result of God's creative hand. Before God created, there was no material substance. There was no time. There was nothing. Only God. God pre-exists creation. And God needed nothing but his word to bring creation into being. The one true, living, and eternal God created. Now, oftentimes, I I get a little frustrated, I have to admit, that in Christian circles, we we, we get caught up in arguments about timing and different details about creation. And I have my own opinions based upon the scripture. But the primary word of the first four chapters of Genesis is that God is our creator. That God made us. That we are made different than all the rest of creation and uh, the Imago Dei in the image of God. Creation was not by chance. Creation in all of its glory and detail can only be explained by divine design. It's not an accident. God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the first four chapters of Genesis are not the only place where we see the discussion of creation. It's throughout the scriptures. As, as we move through the scriptures 
in, in, in Deuteronomy, there is a word about God's creation. In, in, the, in the Psalms, a word about, there's a whole chapter in Job about the creative power of God. Uh, in, in the prophets, they refer to the creative nature of God. And as, as we get into the Gospels and the coming of Jesus in the incarnation, it, it refers back to creation in the letters. And then finally, in Revelation, the identity of God as creator runs and weaves itself through all of scriptures to remind us of who we are and whose we are. In Psalm 90, verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were born, you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Just as Genesis speaks to it, so also the Psalms speak to it. But, but there's something else that's going on here in creation, and in, in our understanding of creation. And that is just as humanity is broken, that we are broken by sin, that we are broken by our disobedience, that we, are, that we find ourselves in this chasm of separation that can only be bridged by Jesus Christ. So also is creation. It is in need of healing. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says this. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. We live in this time, under these circumstances, with these challenges, but it is not worth comparing for that which is before us in the next time. And then he continues. The creation waits in eager anticipation. And he refers back. So also as we wait, so also all of creation waits. And it says, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Now, those are a lot of words. What does it mean? It, basically, when God gave us free will, the door was opened to a world of sin and decay. Now you think, well, then why did God open that door? Because at the same God, time God opened the door to, to sin and decay, God opened the door love and forgiveness to the glory of our will accepting God in a new and glorious way that only God taking a risk knowing that God would have the last say that only God would do and so we have a world where beauty fades and love decays it's a dying world, so it seems. And it is waiting for liberation as we are waiting for the state of glory. For the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing to the glory that is about to be revealed to us. No matter what we may see in this world and in creation, 
It is not worth comparing to what is in store for us as God's creative work continues. Paul talks about the present age from which we live and the brokenness of that present age. But he talks about the age to come. The age of perfection. The age of restoration. The age where the new Eden, the new Jerusalem shall be reestablished. That age where the creative nature of God is bringing us eternity. In the prophets, and really chapters 65 and 66, as Isaiah is closed out in, in that prophecy, he says this in 65:17. For I am about to create a new heaven and a new earth. It's just an affirmation of what God is doing. And what Isaiah is doing is that Isaiah is speaking to the continuing work of of creation. In, in other words, when God created the heavens and the earth, as Genesis you know, tells us the story in the first four chapters, that's not the end of God's creation. God didn't just stop there and by setting laws in place or, or setting a cl- like a clock that would tick away that, and, and stepping back from it so that the world would just function and God would be separated. No, God's creative work continues. And in everything, even the salvation, everything that is of God, even as we talk about the salvation of Jesus and the sustaining nature of the Holy Spirit, God's creation is at work. In John chapter 1, he begins his, his gospel with these words. In the beginning was the Word. God spoke the Word and creation came. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Now he's speaking of Jesus He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has not been made. There is no separation between God the creator and as we will move next week to our belief in Jesus Christ as God with us, our Savior and our Lord. And the importance of these passages is not the how but the who. The who of creation. I, I can't wait to get to heaven and, and have a discussion with, with, with Jesus or Peter or somebody and say, who was right? Because right now it doesn't matter except to say, God's not done with us yet. The creative nature of God that put the universe in place is not done with us. He is not an absentee landlord. He is not one that is apart. In fact, Paul says in Colossians 1.17, in him all things hold together. So as God is in creation, so creation continues to hold together and has continued to be transformed. And it's not that God is dependent upon creation or that creation is God be clear about that as some would proclaim but rather that God holds it all together God will not let us go God is not done with us and thank God for that 
matter what life may seem, God is not done with us. And really, that's the answer to the question, why does this matter? Why does it matter? Because God's not done with us yet. This old broken body that will one day, you know, wear out its, its need, it's not the end of things. God is not done with me yet. There is something in creation that God created within me that is eternal, that God is claiming. God is claiming for the, the age that is to come. And what, of what practical use is it? It is, the, it is the confidence that we know tomorrow, the next, and the next, the next week, the next month, the next year, that God is not done with us, that God's creative power is not finished, that God continues, though things may seem different, to work for good and for something new. It matters. Because all that is, everything, is still moving toward perfection. From tragedy to ecstasy is our message no matter how bad may, things may seem, the God who took the crucifixion and made it into something incredible and beautiful so takes our lives and the universe itself and remakes it. God's creative hands are always upon us. Always. And he will not let us go. In South Florida, several years ago, it was in the newspapers, there was a, a boy, there was a pond that was out behind the housing addition where he lived, and the kitchen window faced the pond, and so the mother felt comfortable letting her son swim in the pond. She could watch him, and he, it was hot, he wanted to swim, he went out, he was swimming toward the middle of the pond, having fun, cooling off, and she noticed that on the edge of the pond, there was an alligator, and he noticed the sun too, and rolled over and began to swim toward the sun. She came out of the house yelling and screaming, trying to convince her son, come to the shore, come quickly. She ran out on the dock, but as the sun got closer and closer to the dock, now swimming as quickly as he could, the alligator caught him. And just as the mom grabbed his arm, so the alligator grabbed his legs. An incredible tug of war took place. The alligator was stronger, no doubt, but her passion and love was greater. Fortunately, a farmer was happening by, and he saw what was happening and had a gun in his in his truck, he pulled it out quickly and went down and shot the alligator and killed it. And the mother was able to retrieve her son. But the damage was incredible. Rushed him to the hospital. He was in intensive care, several surgeries. Miraculously, he got full use of his legs back. And he kind of became the darling of the local newspapers. Mother saves son with her love. A reporter came by the house when he got home. And was kind of questioning him. You know, what was it like? What did it feel like? 
And finally, the reporter said, can I see your scars? And so the boy smiled real big and rolled up his pants leg and showed the reporter his scars. And the reporter kind of was taken aback. It was, looked horrible. And the boy said, that's okay. He said, these are nothing compared to the other scars. And the reporter said, what other scars? And he rolled up his sleeves and said, look at these. These are the scars of my mother's nails as she dug into me and would not let me go. Would not let me go. God hangs on to us. And God will never let us go. When we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, creator, we are talking about a God that will not let us go. That God has claimed us. The expanse of the universe. And God has driven the nails of the cross into our arms to latch on to us with a hold that is eternal. Never, ever will God let us go. That is our hope and our confidence, no matter what.